Well, hello, friends. Barry Klingen and Kirk Moose uh, with you on this uh, Tuesday evening. Uh, for those of us in Texas, it's uh, summertime already. Heat, hot, humid already. And it's going to be a long summer. I know that uh, for sure. We're glad that you'd take time to join with us uh, for these moments of encouragement, hopefully some inspiration as well, as we join and share some thoughts with you uh, tonight. I'm always uh, Enjoy having Kirk Moose uh, here by my side, MooseMinistriesInc.com. Go to his website and uh, see what his ministry is about. He serves with us here at the church at Trophy Lakes as well. And I'm thankful for uh, his friendship and his help and his insight. And um, Kirk, it's Tuesday night. It's Tuesday night. <laughs> and it's feeling right, brother. You know? There it is. We probably should open this thing up in prayer. I think that'd be great. I mean, we see people currently in turmoil all, all over the country, and I think what we need to start praying for is peace. Yes. And pray that peace just enters the house of everyone that hears this message tonight. Yes. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we ask you, Father, just to prepare our hearts to be the vessels that speak the words that you would have us to say. Prevent us from talking about things that don't represent you right or would not even be taken the right way. Lord, we ask you to prepare the hearts of the people that hear this message, Lord God, and to begin to encourage them through the words, Lord God, that you would speak and the, the words that you would give us to say. We ask you, Lord, that you'll begin to pour out your Holy Spirit-filled peace and manifest it physically in their life, in their heart, and in their emotions, Lord God. Settle their hearts Settle their emotions, help them to fix their eyes on you yes. and to forget about all the rhetoric and the noise and to begin just to satisfy themselves in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you so much for praying for us. I'm not 100% sure my feed is going through at this time, but uh, we're going to keep moving. And I trust that it's out there. If you're yeah, out there listening on the Barry Clingens page, you're going to write something in and let us know that you're there. I think it's uh, still buffering a little bit tonight. But we wanted to just take this time to spend a little time talking about um, some big issues that are going on in the world today and how we react to them, how we respond to them. And, you know, it's kind of almost a trite expression for people to say, it's not what happens to you, it's how you respond to it. But there is some great truth to that, uh, for sure, about how uh, we respond to what what is happening, you know, in our life. Well, in our world today, you know, it doesn't take anybody uh, much looking around to see we're not having a very good 2020 so far as a, as a nation anyway, even as a world. And uh, with the virus that came along, which birthed me and Kirk start, uh, starting to do this on Tuesdays and Saturday nights, talking through that, uh, that time. And that's beginning uh, to Hopefully, Wayne, we're open as a church here. Our academy is open. We're seeing businesses open in Texas. We're kind of moving in the right direction, I believe, to to get over that. But then, right on the heels of that, we have this, uh, you know, terrible thing that happened in Minneapolis that uh, has spurred some uh, peaceful march that marches or protests or whatever that is now uh, I've already been hijacked by some folks that uh, don't have any good uh, intentions. And so whatever the reasons, whatever is going on behind all of that, the bottom line is our cities are burning, uh, you know, and every city is, is uh, being affected. And well, a lot of uncertainty. A lot of people look around, what is going on? What has happened this year? And, you know, one of the things I, I witness, and you do as well, too, and observe, Kirk and I both were talking about this, we both observe this, that there's, 
you know, there is a lot of uh, injustice in this world. I mean, uh, it happens to us individually, just day to day with little things. But then overall, to a, in racism and, you know, the injustice that can be there because someone in, in a systematic way, you know, in, in the system of, of of economics and everything else, that it, it's not allowing people just because of the color of their skin not to advance or, uh, or to prosper. And, you know, that, that's, that just brings a great sense of, of anger uh, at that injustice that is there. Um, you know, but it happens. It's not just that issue. It's happening everywhere. Sometime back um, at towards the end of this, uh, um, well, a couple of weeks ago, I guess it was, maybe a month ago, I had an encounter with, uh, with a man that, uh, you know, just a very simple little thing, a little misunderstanding. I was trying to, you know, clear it up. And, uh, and this man was a stranger to me. And he just completely got angry at me on a, uh, just like a switch. And I was almost taken back by it. And later when I thought back through it, I thought, you know, a lot of people are just angry today. They just have a lot of pent up anger about things that are not working out right. Uh, whether it's big issues of racism, whether it's their own job or, or whatever is going on. I just find a lot of, a lot of anger, a lot of lack of peace uh, that is out there. And I, I believe, uh, Kirk, that, you know, this is an opportunity because, the thing that would disturb me most as a pastor is that I look at believers, Christians who are in, call the name of Christ and, uh, and believe him as their Lord. They fit in these categories just about as easy as everybody else. The anger and lack of peace and strife and, and difficulty in, in, in their life. And it shouldn't be that way. I mean, there, there is a, needs to be an ability for us to respond in a, in a little different way. Well, don't you think that a lot of these things are wrapped up in the spirit of fear? Mm-hmm, think definitely. about it. It doesn't matter if you've had injustice, mm-hmm. if you've had a loved one that was raped or murdered. I mean, the idea of forgiving that other person, it hurts. There's pain involved. And a lot of times there's fear. What if I let go of this thing, that's, yes. uh, this injustice that happened to me? And there's a fear of what's next. Yes. You know, and we as a people of God, first of all, we're commanded to forgive those who have trespassed against us. Secondly, we're commanded to love our neighbor as ourself. What does it mean, Pastor? You know, if we yeah. love our neighbor as ourself, that means it does it not mean that we're supposed to prefer our neighbor? Yes. I mean, if our neighbor, let's just say, has cancer mm-hmm. and you realize they just got back from surgery, should you not check on your neighbor? Should mm-hmm. you not see if you could serve them somehow? Should you not pray for them? It doesn't matter what country they're from what race they are, they are your neighbor. You're supposed to esteem them as equal or better than you. You're supposed to care for them. What did Jesus do to his disciples? Mm -hmm. Jesus himself took off his robe, stripped down to his underwear pretty much, Mm -hmm. and put a towel around his waist, and he washed the feet of his disciples, Mm -hmm. men that were learning from him. So you could say they were serving him. Yes. But he, as the leader became the servant of those who served him. Yes. So he became the perfect example, the advocate for those who can't be heard. Mm -hmm. Because he said, look, look at what I'm doing. I'm becoming nothing in the eyes of the world to serve you in everything that I'm currently doing. Yes. And now I'm going to wash your feet. And what did Peter say? Peter goes, no, 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 no. Why? It was fear. Yes. It was fear because Jesus broke the normal protocol. 
It wasn't the social norm. Jesus, as the leader, was not supposed to touch the feet. He wasn't supposed to duck down to that position. And Peter was like, you will not do that to yes. me, Master. Yes. But what did Jesus say? If you don't let me do this, you have no part in me. So if we don't prefer others, and we don't in like way take care of what he's commanded us, do we have a part in him? Mm. Yes. That's, I pose the question. Yes. That's very good. I'm, you know, the more I think about it, you know, Kirk, I go, I go back and it's, it's amazing. Those that are more in our tradition who are, are people who, you know, really believe in the power of God and believe in, you know, God directly working in our lives, all that, that we are, uh, we sometimes can be guilty of always looking for that next powerful revelation. We could be guilty of just, you know, what's this dream or what's this word, and, you know, and, and really not realize we could just go back to the very clear basics of what Jesus taught us. I mean, when he taught us to love one another, that wasn't just a cute little saying that's right. to write on a piece of paper or on an artwork and put it hanging in our house. It meant that's the way we're to live. We're to prefer these others. We're to, to serve them. And um, one of our uh, uh, other pastors here on, on staff at Trevor uh, Lakes Juan Carlos, we were in a meeting early this morning, and he, he just so eloquently said about how uh, we really comes down to it. It really needs to be that love of one another. Do we really yes. love these people? And we really look. I, I've, I believe that it begins with love of Christ, you know, individually, and then that love of Christ translates. When when Jesus was with Peter at the end, uh, after he'd been resurrected, and and you know Peter had denied him before the resurrection, and now they're all back together, and he looks at Peter and three times asks him that question: Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And he says, you know, you love. I, but I always think that's good because I think that's where it begins: Do you love me? You know, in, in ministry, and it's not just ministry, it's being a Christian, it begins with that love for God. And then when you love love Him, that translates into your life. The, the Bible has a great phrase. It's translated in the King James Version as, the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. That's right. And I, I love the way that, that says that because it it's talking about that thing. And when, when it's in there, I can't help but love people. I love people no matter what, what they're going through, you know, you, you live life long enough, you, you could give other people a break and you, you minister to them to where they, where they are and, and, and do that. And I think, I think the opportunities today uh, to, you know, to, to demonstrate to this world what it's all about. I, I, want, I want, you know, bring it into this because, you know, in the last many years, uh, I've really learned uh, kingdom. Uh, matter of fact, all my ministry, it's really been a learning process, growing process. Jack Taylor, uh, back in the 90s, really introduced me to start thinking about kingdom. And, you know, Jesus spoke so much about the kingdom, you know, only spoke about the church very briefly in, in Matthew 6. That don't mean it's not important. It's just we don't count verses about how something's important. But the kingdom is just on every page. You know, he even began his ministry, you know, change your mind, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, uh, you know, the definition I'm working off in these days, because the kingdom is so big, you know, the Bible says it's not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, you know, joy, peace, and the Holy Spirit. And so we, we, we know that definition, but uh, the definition I've been working off for a long time here is uh, life as God intended it. Now, I want you to just ask yourself this question, you know, when you look out tonight, if you're looking on the news tonight, if you're scouring the uh, internet and picking up news from all the news sites, seeing videos. Is this what God intended for this earth? 
I don't think so. He never intended a virus to ravage this planet. He never intended uh, people to be hating each other and, and throwing you know things and wrecking businesses and, and being angry over injustice. He never never wanted you know there to be injustice. But there is. And he's made a way out of it. And we don't take his way. And one thing we always have to remind ourselves is there's one kingdom and only one kingdom that's going to last forever. I am a seventh-generation Klingon in America. My uh, seven, great times seven uncle signed the Articles of Confederation, served with Benjamin Franklin in the Articles, uh, I mean, in the uh, Continental Congress. I have a great history of my family serving uh, this country. I love this country. I'm a, I'm a citizen. And I love it. But when I met Christ as my Savior, I really understood then there's only one kingdom that's going to last forever. Even right. this great nation and all that it has stood for and all that it's been able to do for good in this world, it, it's not forever as a kingdom. Only the kingdom of God is. And in the kingdom is where you find that righteousness, where you find that peace, where you find that joy. And the joy is not there just when everything's going right, because rarely is everything going right. That joy is there all the time. And so I embrace that, and I want to share that. And I want to share that by helping people that are hurting, that are angry, that are, you know, uh, that are, you know, sick of the injustice and all that, and show them that in this kingdom, and, and uh, you know, theologically, big word, understanding the kingdom is, you know, the kingdom is, is here, but not here. It's, it's here and coming. In other words, right. we've got it now, but it's coming in greater fullness when, when the Lord returns in this world. We don't ever use that first part as a, as a, uh, as Bill Johnson will say, you know, we don't use that as an area to hide in an unbelief, uh, because we believe God wants to give everything to us in the kingdom right now. Uh, but fully will it be established in that day. And then at that day, you know, there's great verses throughout all of human history that God has poured through his servants. Righteousness will flow down. Justice will flow down from the mountains, from sea to see, I mean, that things will be as God intended it in that kingdom. Until then, I'm praying as a disciple of Jesus the prayer he taught us to pray. Oh, yes. Kingdom come, will be done on earth, on earth as it already is in heaven. And so we're praying for the kingdom to come. So when I see life uh, that is not as God intended it, I want to bring the kingdom to that. I want to I want to go to those and, and show them the life that's in Jesus' name, how to overcome the anger, how to how to you know live for you know for Christ in a way that the kingdom becomes a reality and they live life as God intended it. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes perfect sense. And I think the thing that is the obstacle that keeps people from moving forward into the momentum that the kingdom brings is fear. Yes, yes. Well, I come back to that all the time. Number one, they're afraid mm-hmm. to let go. Mm-hmm. What happens if I give God control? What if I mm-hmm. yield my heart, my desires, my emotions, my hurts, my joys? My happiness, my sadness, my health, my infirmity, everything. If I yield it all to God, what happens? Well, one, maybe he might be forced to show up. And then what if he disappoints me? Mm-hmm. That's the question I think a lot mm-hmm. of people ask themselves. And what, what's that rooted in? Fear. Yes. The root is fear. You know, let me say this right quick on that, Kirk. Because, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I did something. I, and I preached on the lordship of Jesus Christ. You know, he's Lord over all. And one thing I said in that, that, you know, I every once in a while say something pretty good. And when I said this, I said, you know, a lot of people think if I bring my life under the Lordship of Christ, well, there goes fun. 
you know, there goes, you know, I'm going to have to live some saint, you know, get up every morning with a white robe and get in a room with stained glass windows and pray for 10 hours or something. And, that, you know, the truth of the matter, and just think for a moment, the truth of the matter is this. Life as God intended it will only be experienced as Jesus is Lord. It's not confining, it's liberating. Amen. You know, Jesus being Lord of my life does not confine me into some carbon copy, you know, cookie cutter Christian that everybody has a, you know, a caricature of. No, it, it, it frees me to be who Barry was made to be in this earth. That's right. And that's it, so big of a misnomer. And surely the Creator knows what's best for us. And most of us, though, interpret that in, well, that's going to take my freedom away. No, 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 no. I, I'm a slave to the world's systems until Jesus comes along and liberates me. And being under his lordship is allowing me to begin to be fruitful and, and, and be the person that he, he intended to be. It's not, it's not, it's not domineering. It's, it's love. And, uh, so, so, so very clear and looking at that that way. Cause I think so many, even Christians live under that idea. Yeah. I made Jesus Lord. But, you know, they start playing around the edges and, you know, doing these things. They never really settle. And that's what my whole message is about. You need to settle the issue of lordship in your life. You need to come to that place where you know that he's the Lord I think people life. need to ask themselves, what does the word actually mean, Lord? Yes. I mean, yes. a lot of people think it's just a term, a mm. title. It's more than a title. <laughs> a Lord is one who rules over. Yes. It's one that you submit to. Yes. So when you call God Lord, you're actually saying, God, I submit myself to you. My desires, my yearnings, my wants, everything is submitted. Mm-hmm. And when we submit to him, he brings peace. Yes. There's been many people I've talked to that have kind of gone into meditation or they've mm-hmm. got friends that do meditation. And I don't mean biblical meditation. No, I mean yeah. the Eastern yeah. stuff. And... All of these people always talk about how they have to do it for hours and hours and hours, and then it doesn't last. Mm-hmm. Well, what is, what is it something that we know? Mm-hmm. Those that have truly yielded to God with all of their hearts to God, I empty myself and I turn myself completely over to you. We gain a peace that's everlasting. Mm-hmm. We don't strive for that peace. Yes. All we have to do is when there's a trouble yeah. or a fiery dart, like a thought mm-hmm. that comes to us, we say, God, I give that back to you. Mm-hmm. And when we are faithful to give that thing back to him, the peace is there. It is. I think of this real quick too, Kirk. I think sometimes the, the misunderstanding of lordship is that lordship's a decision. Yes. And uh, it's a it's a confession. And, and it is. The Bible does say we confess that Jesus is Lord, but we're supposed to be confessing that from a transformed life. And it's very telling, one of the tough verses that, in the Bible where Jesus said, not everyone who says, Lord, to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom right. of heaven. So it's not a speak, but he who does the will of my Father. And so being under the Lordship of Christ is not a, it, it's, it, it is a surrender, it is a confession, but it's much more than that. It's a lifestyle. It's a, it's a doing. What, what, uh, how does it translate into doing? How am I caring for my neighbor? How am I loving these people? How am I trying to take someone and show them in the turmoil they're in in life that, Get under the Lordship of Christ. Let him reign in your life, and he's a good king, and he brings peace to you. I, I, I think it's you know good to say, you know, we're talking about the virus, and we're talking about now this, you know, uh, difficult days that are going on in the uh, cities uh, that are happening right now. Right here in, in Trophy Club, Texas, we're, you know, hopefully going to be a very peaceful rally, but there's a rally 
that uh, is going to be in this town. You know, there's one in our county just right up the road that didn't stay completely peaceful uh, before it was over. And uh, so it's all it's all there. But, you know, we talk about that. We talk about that. And guess what? I'd love to tell you it's going to get better. <laughs> but we got an election season we're about to get in. And wow, in America, that is that is a huge thing. And for us as Christians, we recognize something. Jesus dealt with this. Uh, one day, the you know the the religious people came up to see him, and they came, and it says for the specific reason to catch him in his words. That's a political spirit. That is a that is a, a demonic, uh, you know, manifestation of trying to disrupt people out of what God intends. And, uh, you know, he, they asked him, you know, about do we pay taxes to Caesar or not? Now, it wasn't like it is today. That was a very, uh, the empire, they lived under the thumb yeah. of Rome, of an emperor. They had no idea of democracy, what we talk about today. And so they, they were under that. And I love, you know, Jesus, what did he do? He said, hey, bring me a denarius, bring me a coin. And they brought the coin to him, and he looked down on it, and we know Caesar's image was on the denarius. So he said, whose image is on this coin? And they said, Caesar's. And he said, render unto Caesars what is Caesars, and God what is God. Amen. And what was he talking about? In us, as people, there's the image of God. We're made in the image of God. But there is a political spirit, a political domination out there. Well, listen, it's going to try everything in the world to rob you of peace over the next however many months it is to November. But here's what you have to realize. And, and when you get free like this, you're talking about a political animal here. I mean, you know. I'm, I can't even begin to tell you how my, my Twitter handle up there where you try to identify who you are. I say I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a husband. I'm also a political animal. I love politics. I love all that. But I don't love the political spirit that divides. And and uh, it'll try to get in your life every way possible. People will try to suck you in. And I'm not, I'm not one of these. And, and Kirk, I don't know how to articulate this very clearly, but I'm not one of these. I'm not trying to say, oh, I'm going to take the middle road. I'm not going to talk politics or religion, you know, defend people or that. That's not at all what I'm talking about. I'm talking about rising above a spirit that tries to divide. That's not of Jesus. That is not of Jesus. And and make sure we go higher than that to recognize, yeah, these things go on. And as citizens of the United States of America, we're supposed to be in, involved in no issues and vote accordingly and all of that stuff. And that's important. I'm not making that like it's not important, but I'm saying as believers, we got to rise above that. We have an incredible opportunity over the next many months uh, to demonstrate to our relatives, to our friends, uh, our coworkers, and everyone else there's much more than the dissension that is in. Listen, that's right. Uh, you got always remember this: Jesus is Lord. Uh, I don't. I think the. I think the election date this year is November third. I'm guessing. I, I think that's when it is. But anyway, the point is this: Jesus will be Lord on November second. He'll be Lord on November third. He'll be Lord on November fourth. You know, he he's in charge. The Bible says the king's hands in his in his hand, uh, the, the king's heart is in his hand, and he can channel it anyway. I mean, I love what Dr. Adrian Rogers, a great great man of God, said years ago when there was an election going on. And I'm trying to remember who the election was at that time, but you know, Christians tended were tending to align themselves with certain candidate. And he got up and said, "Let's remind ourselves: this candidate can't bring revival to America, and this candidate can't stop revival from coming to America. It's not up to them. God's bigger than that. And uh, you got to keep that that higher view and maturity in our lives. Where I'm not going to let an election or electioneering steal my peace with God. 
I'm not going to get that turmoil in me, and 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 if it does, I'm going to repent and get it out uh, as quick as possible. Would don't you agree, Kirk? We have a we have a. I, I see this not as oh my, we're about to go into an election. See, it's going to get horrible. It's going to get ugly. They're going to throw mud at each other. I see it as a great opportunity uh, for believers to present Christ and His kingdom and the way things ought to be, you know, in our lives, rather than... I think we have daily an option. Mm-hmm. We have, so let's just say like the Matrix. Mm-hmm. You know, Neo sits yes. down with Morpheus, and he says, in one hand I have this one, and it'll take you down the rabbit hole, and this other one, you'll wake up and nothing happens. Well, every day we have that choice. Either we choose the way of the world, or we choose the way of Christ. And if we choose the way of the world... It's not going to end up pretty. We're going to be depressed. We're going to be emotional. We're going to be, you know, outside of our comfort zone, and we're going to mm-hmm. lack peace. But if we choose the way of God, we will truly awaken to a new thing. Yes. Every morning, there'll be peace, and there'll be continuous opportunities to reach our neighbor. It doesn't yes. matter if it's in the midst of turmoil, if yes. it's in the midst of peace. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, it really doesn't matter if it's your neighbor, your family member, yes. your long lost relative the black sheep of the family, it does not matter. God will present an opportunity anywhere you are when you give him the opportunity. And that's our responsibility because he gave the command to all of his people to be diligent to spread the gospel to all the nations, to all people. So we're supposed to take action. Our agenda is supposed to be kingdom. Yes. We're yes. not supposed to be here exactly. just on our own. He's What did he say? He said, you are representatives, ambassadors mm-hmm. of my yes. kingdom. Mm-hmm. So if we're an ambassador of the kingdom of God, then we ourselves need to get on board with the agenda of our kingdom, which is to bring peace on earth. That means everywhere we step, we should be an agent of peace. Yes. We should be so in the presence of God that the presence that comes with us overcomes the presence that's around us. We should not allow the presence of fear or anxiety or depression to overtake us, but instead that the peace of God should overwhelm whomever's around us. So we need to allow Christ and Mm. His love to radiate, to drip off of us like we've Mm. talked about the last several times, and just immerse ourselves in Him and His presence and even just tell Him to God, forgive me. If I've allowed myself to get over into selfish desires and selfish ambitions, but instead help me to align myself with your word and with your gospel. Yes, yes, that's that is that is the thing that I think if we bring this around into a, you know, what Kirk is saying, which is to bring it into a very practical way. You know, I, I don't think it, it demands what should have been should be there all the time, and that is a daily. Yes. Uh, when we talk about a daily walk with God, what do we mean by that? Well, in some point in my day, I'm thinking through. Uh, first of all, in the first part of my day, I'm thinking set my I'm setting my will to forgive people already. I'm, you know, I'm setting my posture, my direction, my attitude, my inclination before I ever start the day. And somebody's going to offend me today. You can count on that. That's it. And so, how am I going to respond to that? You know. So you kind of do that. And then there's also a time of introspection. You know. Uh, you know, Father, what what ways did I lose my peace today? What ways did I get caught up in something? And what made me angry? And you know, all this. And how can I better show and manifest your your love? So, so you're then looking at things constantly on a daily basis in terms of the kingdom, in terms of Christ and His view of what's going. And you're not getting caught up on these things that, by the way, don't matter. Most most of this stuff will not matter. 
I've been saying this a whole lot lately, and I think I might have said it on here a couple of weeks ago. I know I said it in the pulpit recently because I say it all the time, but it was a, it's a kind of a story. I guess it's made up. I don't know. But of a man that's an old man that's dying, and a young man is, is with him, and uh, and the old man says, you know, I worried about a lot of things in my life, and some of them actually happened. And, you know, you think about how much we get caught up in that really is not going to matter. And when I think about losing or wanting to win a political battle with someone over what I believe in terms of, you know, Democrat, Republican, Independent, whatever, you know, I think about that. It doesn't really matter in the great scheme of things, you know. Uh, one thing that I've always, and, you know, I sound like a broken record when I say this to my kids and my family, but, you know, the biggest thing that we've lost in this country is civility. And civility meant that we could experience the richness of debate. You know, Kirk and I could sit down here and we could debate a topic and it could even get a little hot. You know, we use good rhetoric, we use good arguments and he's got better arguments and boy, he got me good. And when the days, when the argument's over, we walk out the door with our arms around each other. Hey, let's go hang out. Let's go do this or whatever. You know, today it's just the opposite. We argue and the minute you find someone doesn't agree with you, they're your enemy. That's not true. You know, just because someone doesn't see life as I see it in terms of anything. You know, they're not my enemy. And yet, that's the way we do it today. Immediately, you say, oh, you support him. Well, you're on the other side. I can't talk to you. I can't have any relationship with you. How crazy is that? And I think just on on the level of civility in a nation, a democratic nation that we live in, the opportunity we have as believers just to say, you know, can uh, can we love each other? Can we be friends and still debate this issue. I'm I'm taking a course on debate right now and, and and it's really been lost in this country, but that's what made our country so strong in the early years, the ability to debate an idea and come not to a consensus, but come to the right conclusion. And you know the only time our country has not been able to do that was the Civil War. And we could not come to conclusions in debate and we turned to arms and look at the horrible destruction that took place in that. So, you know, we learn these things along the way. So I just kind of turn this back to say, you know, make Jesus Lord of your life. Live it. Choose to live under his teachings and do what he says. I've used this phrase for years because I know how overused when you tell someone you're a Christian. That means so much to so many different people and usually wrong. So I usually adopted years ago, I'm a follower of, of Jesus Christ. And I am. I'm a follower of his teachings. I, I told a lady on an airplane one time that she was a, a Buddhist. And uh, she said, you know, we follow Buddha and we seek Zen. We do, you know. And I said, well, I follow the teachings of Jesus. She goes, oh, really? You know, well, if I'd have said I was a Christian, she said, oh, you're American, you know, or whatever. But when I said that, it, you know, I love to kind of mess things up a little bit. And so she started saying, well, what? You know, she could, she was open more to further talk about what does that mean? Well, Jesus had a way of life and what he taught and what he did. And I, I seek to observe the way he conducted himself and what he taught. What did he teach? Well, he taught that all men are sinners and people need to repent. And he talked that he's the only way. I am the way to the Father. And uh, no one gets there through me. And uh, that was either a very dogmatic, bold statement that is of someone that's crazy or either it's the truth. I choose it's the truth, you know, and that's why I follow him. And so, you know, it just opens that up. But that is the that is the bottom line. We have to make that choice. And I, I, I appeal to you, not only as someone that might not know Christ, that needs to just simply surrender to his lordship, his rule, as Kurt said, over our lives. Uh, but also, I say to believers, it's time to repent of the thinking, 
and the direction you've been going and turn back to the way of God that we have confessed with our mouth. Do what he said. I I did something years ago, Kirk. I took a a journal, a really nice journal, and I took a nice acid-free pen, and I tried to use the best penmanship I could, and I went through my Bible, and I wrote down everything Jesus said. If it was written in red, I had a red-letter edition, I wrote it, just right, one right after the other. Just all, I didn't try to, I went through Matthew, I went through Mark, went through Luke, John, and I wrote everything out. And it's just eye-opening when you do that. I'm a pastor. I'm, I make a joke all the time. I'm a professional Christian, you know. I mean, I've been doing this. I've been to school to learn the Bible, you know, and all these type of things. But really what I mean by that, I've walked with God for all these years. And then you start reading, did he really say that? And, and we have the worst habit as pastors is that we'll get into the teaching of Jesus and we'll dumb it down. Jesus said, it'd be better for you to have one of your members, your arm cut off than to not go in, in the, you know, in the afterlife, not go with him, not go into the kingdom of God, not go to heaven. And it would be that bad. And, you know, we say, oh, well, what he really meant by that? He, you know, that's what, we, no, he said, this issue is so serious that if your hand was offending you and keeping you out, cut it off. Now, one Church father very famously did that, and uh, in in some ways, but uh, it, it, you know we, we don't encourage that. But yet we do look at it that seriously and take his words for there. When's the last time you picked up your Bible and read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? And if you got a red letter edition, you're seeing the red letters or the, what Jesus said. Read what he said. Think about it. He he's not just talking here. He's the Son of God revealing to us the, the way of the life is supposed to be lived and, and the way he intends it. So I, I encourage that strongly. You know, go get it, get in your Bible and read it. Well, at the risk of elongating this conversation, <laughs> you know, I think to kind of piggyback off of what you just said, what really gave you the extra oomph you needed is you moved outside of your comfort zone yes. when you answered that yeah. woman. Why? Yeah. Because you had the opportunity to say, I'm a Christian. That's the easy way. Mm. That's the cop-out way. What do I mean? Well, if I use the normal lingo, I'm not going to into... How do you word this? Um, You're not challenging the norm. Mm -hmm. And when you're not challenging the norm, you're not open to conversation. Yes. So if I just say, hey, Barry, how you doing? And Mm -hmm. you tell me, so you give me some generic answer. Well, there's not a whole lot of conversation that can have. Then if you answer me differently, all of a sudden now there's a question mark in my mind. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. you didn't say Christian. You said follower of Jesus. What did he mean by that? I've got to inquire. Barry, what mm-hmm. did you mean? Yeah. So that's why she asked. Why? Yeah. Because he did not take the convenient, easy path. He was what? He was like mm-hmm. the feet of the one who takes the message of God. Yes. See, why does the Lord say in the word that blessed are the feet who bring good news? Mm-hmm. Why? Because they did action. Yes. They took action Mm -hmm. they didn't take the easy path they didn't take the way that cost them nothing someone that carries a message they run yes and they bring it with a great cost yes there's been messengers in history that ran so hard that they after delivering the message they fell over dead out Mm -hmm. of exhaustion so it was a very strong thing to be a runner that brought Mm -hmm. messages when the Lord is telling us that we're supposed to be those that are bringing the gospel, he means we are to be men and women who take action in our faith. Mm-hmm. So I, I really believe that's what the crux of that whole thing is, that we're supposed to. I, I'm, I'm, I just, it's just, you know, he's, he said this exactly 
you know, what we need to hear. You know, I just saw something, uh, Kurt. You know, we've come out of this virus. We kind of did this during that time. You know, people at home, and we're talking to them. And then we have a lot of good comments and people responding well to this. And so we thought, well, maybe we need to continue. Maybe we can look at some But I think now, uh, really from now till uh, the end of this year or election time, there's going to be so much turmoil and there'll be an opportunity for us to remind you and help you and think get think about some of these things. And so I think that's a good uh, mandate going forward. We're just seeing this live, you know, between both of us. But I think it is because I think that's what we need. And, you know, as we bring this to a close tonight, I just, you know, it's very simple. If you don't know him as Lord, surrender Amen. and live life as God intended it. And you're going to only experience it one way, and that's under him. And uh, secondly, uh, you know, if you are a believer, you know, be ready to let God lead you to repentance. The Bible says it's the goodness of God That's that right. leads us. Repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of lifestyle. And uh, so when you change your mind, say, I've been thinking wrong about this. And so open your mind, open your heart up to God to give greater clarity and direction uh, to your footsteps in the, in the days ahead. So it's been great here on a uh, Tuesday night to be with you, um, praying God's very best over your family and over your life and uh let's uh let's bring the kingdom of god to earth in our lifetime let's see it happen and uh, let's see uh people begin to experience in government and in business in homes and families dads and my live life as god intends it as god desires it in the kingdom of god so we we pray that over you tonight it's been great to have these moments with you they go by really quick oh they sure uh, especially do. when we get to preaching a little bit, you know, here and looking at these issues a little, little, little bit deeper. So thank you for joining us tonight. Look forward to being back with you on Saturday night. Tell your friends, share uh, with them what's going on. Spend a little time with us. If you watch it later, still send, send me an email, bclinging at trophylakes.org, and, and uh, you can go to uh, mooseministriesinc.com and fill out their prayer request or whatever, connect with, with Kirk. And uh, so let us, let us hear from you. We'd love to to know what you're thinking, and um, if anything, we can talk about some of that as well. We'd love to love to hear that. So, thank you for your time tonight. Anything last words say? I just encourage you just to continue to stir yourself up in prayer, and just get some time alone with the Lord and encourage yourself in Him. Guys, we love you. God bless you. God bless you.